Tonight's reading is Isaiah chapter 40, from verse 1 through to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The ragged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He turns his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is God's word. Well, I hope you're encouraged even by that reading. But as we begin, let me lead us in a prayer. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Father, what wonderful words of comfort those are. Please, would your enduring word be at work in us this evening? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, I get plenty of emails at the moment and the, sort of the gist of them would be, this is the opportunity for you to prove yourself. Uh, now is the time for you to step up in COVID-19 season. Uh, this virus is a wonderful opportunity for all sorts of new things. And look, I'm not anti-optimism. Uh, there's something good about those. But I've reached a point really this week where I wanted to scream and say, can you please just let me say, I hate this. I hate this period. It's horrible not being able to meet converse with people face to face. Oh, it's rubbish. The death toll. It's terrible. Look, I, I know there's opportunities, but before we even get onto them, can you just let me grieve? Let me lament? Let me say, ah, I hate this. Because in all honesty, I do. And then alongside that, of course, we need hope. We need hope. And so every question the day, uh, every day, the, the question gets asked 
uh, by someone appears on the, oh, what is the strategy? What is the exit strategy? And of course, the simple answer is, well, no one knows. A vaccine, maybe, months and months away. Uh, uh, sort of apps on our phones that tell us, you know, that can inform us who we've been in contact with. Well, they can help. But we need help. And here is enormous hope in Isaiah chapter 40. Because here we're told, behold, see, look, look at your God. That's who you need. That's who you need right now. It's always who you need. We look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40 in uh, the next three weeks. So today he's the God who brings comfort. Next week he's unique. No one compares to him. And uh, then in a couple of weeks time. He is the God who strengthens the weary. Why are we looking at Isaiah 40? Selfishly, I need to think about the God who strengthens the weary because I feel exhausted and fed up. And look, my life is good compared to many at the moment. I know. But the frustration, I need to behold my God. That's what I need. And so I hope it'll do you much good as well over the next few weeks. Look, the last time, if you've been at CCM for a while, the last time we looked at Isaiah in the evenings was a year ago. We looked at chapters 36 to 39, and it ended badly. It ended, if, uh, if you can just glance down, if you've got a Bible or you can read it uh, on the screen next to you, chapter 39, verse 6, uh, Isaiah the prophet had told the king at the time, the king uh, over the God's people in Judah, in Jerusalem, Verse 6 of chapter 39, the time will come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left. Some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, will be born to you, will be taken away. They'll become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. It was a promise. Babylon, the nation, is going to invade Judah and the city, Jerusalem, and you'll, you'll be devastated. And you'll be taken captive and dragged off into exile. And that's happened. There's a gap of over 100 years between chapter 39 and chapter 40. It's all happened. So chapter 40, uh, it's spoken to a people who are broken, shattered, disillusioned, bitter. You get a sense of what they're saying very much if you look down... We'll get there in a couple of weeks' time. But here's what they're saying. Uh, chapter, excuse me, chapter 40 and verse 27 they're saying, or verse 27, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? There are people who are saying, God doesn't care. God doesn't care what's going on in my life. God doesn't care for us as people. And chapter 40 is here to say, oh, I care for you deeply. And I uniquely can help you, save you. It is a lovely word of comfort. Let's look at the text. Chapter one, uh, chapter, excuse me, chapter 40 and verse one then. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Double, comfort, comfort. In English, we have the same sense, don't we? Uh, to someone who is uh, upset or harassed, they're there. It's okay. It's okay. We say it twice to, as we envelop them, we hug them, 
we gather them towards us. I know, says God to his people here. I know, I know how you feel. There, there. Comfort, comfort is what I want to bring to you. God is not distant. Although we've had in Isaiah really 39 chapters, the first 39 chapters of the book of warning, here until the end it's comfort. Chapters 40 to 66, broadly speaking, are comfort. And actually the Christian faith is fundamentally a word from God of comfort to people. That's what it primarily is, a word of comfort. God has come in Jesus Christ to rescue you, to undo all that has gone wrong to pay off all of your errors, sins. It's not primarily a word of challenge. Well, look, if you do well enough, God will come. God will sort things out. No, it starts with him. It's a word of comfort from him to a broken world. And it's a group here, verse 2, a group are told, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. So you lot, you lot, address Jerusalem with uh, words of comfort or where it says here speak tenderly it's more literally speak to the heart and in Hebrew thought that is the centre where someone makes their choices where they make their decisions the centre of their feelings as well address the heart of the people and so this is a word of comfort but also a word of persuasion. You'll be okay. I care deeply for you. I uniquely can help you. Tell the people that. Actually, even though it's only 11 verses, I think there are four slightly different elements. We're going to run through them pretty quickly. Here's the words of comfort. He'll pay for sins. He'll come himself. His word endures and he's gathering the lost. We'll work through them. First, and here's the first word of comfort in verse two. God will pay for sins. So speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Or to put it in other terms, her sin has been paid for. Or a third way, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. See, I guess the pronouncement is your period in, in exile in Babylon, you've been taken captive, a group of people and in slavery, that's about to come to an end. And that's described in those three ways. Completed, sin paid for, receiving double for her sins. It's a funny Hebrew word, it's sort of um, folded back for their sins. If you had a blanket um, duvet cover at home or a blanket. You went for a, 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 an illicit picnic, you naughty people, in the park and you folded up your picnic blanket afterwards. You fold it up. That's the word here. So double or back on itself. Repayment. You've, it's been paid off. Repaid for your sins. That's, what happens. That's what's promised here. Now, sin is obviously a very unfashionable word. Uh, who wants to use sins unless they're mocking um, Christians and, and religion? But I wonder if at the moment um, we are a bit more aware of our failings, our sin, our selfishness. If you're uh, locked up, locked down with um, a group of people, family, housemates, 
my guess is you're more aware of your selfishness. You're more aware of your irritability, anger bubbling up, frustration, short words. You're probably more aware of them at the moment because this situation's intense. If you're on your own, well, I guess possibly more than ever, you'd be deeply embarrassed if there was CCTV of you going about your day and what you got up to. I think possibly many of us are a bit more aware of our sin. It's a bit like the virus, isn't it? Um, so uh, we, uh, we've discovered that um, we're all like human petri dishes. And wherever we go, we spread germs and we, and we spread virus. Have you seen, I, I never want to see again, the, uh, they keep showing it on TV, the slow motion of someone sneezing and, um, you know, the sort of phlegm <laughs> bursting out and sort of dribbling down the chin. Uh, I keep seeing this on, on TV. I don't want to see it anymore um, because we spread germs. And actually, uh, our selfishness, our sin is like that. I, I don't want to see any more of my own sin. Thank you very much. Uh, I see it very closely at the moment. And the other thing here, though, is that God says in the 6th century, sin has been paid for. Well, there were centuries and centuries of God's people, Israel, back then, selfishly, sinfully rejecting the Lord. And they're only away in exile for a few decades. How does that sort of even out? Well, the answer doesn't come here. The answer comes a few chapters later. One will come. A servant will come. God. Jesus will come and pay. That's how it'll happen. There's the first word of comfort. Uh, God will come. He'll pay for sins. Uh, secondly, he'll come himself. Verses three to five. The, uh, the comfort that God offers is not just, if I could put it in those terms, an end to punishment. He comes. How is it described? Verse three. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. He's unstoppable. Is the point. It doesn't matter what's in the way. Valleys, mountains, hills, nothing could stop is God from coming and bringing comfort. Though us humans, we're ingenious and we can construct all sorts of very impressive things, but we're also held back. I observe even before this lockdown that uh, cross rail or the Elizabeth line was two years plus behind schedule. HS2, will it ever be built? Can we ever afford it? Who can tell? But um, it's not just valleys and hills there. There's people owning houses saying, I am, I'm not selling. Um, all sorts of things stop human. Nothing, nothing can stop this God from coming, is the point here. And Christians know that these verses in 1 to 5 of chapter 40, you get to the New Testament, they're all applied to Jesus. So baby, as a young baby, we're told Jesus meets Simeon. And in Luke chapter 2, we're told he's waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. Huh. Verses 3 to 5 of Isaiah 40, explicitly we're told Luke chapter 3. These are fulfilling 
John the Baptist fulfilled these words. He was the voice preparing the way for Jesus. God came in Jesus. And just as was predicted here, the glory of the Lord was revealed in him. We have seen his glory, says John. There's the first two then. He'll pay for sins. He'll come himself, this God. Uh, thirdly, his word endures. Verse six is another voice. And it's quite a contrast. So God, verses three to five, nothing can stop him. By contrast, verse six, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry out? Tell them this. In contrast to God who is unstoppable, verse 6, all people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Now look, in the UK, once a decade, we get a very hot summer and the grass goes a bit brown. Uh, but of course, Isaiah is writing in the Middle East. You get 50 degree summers and boom, the grass is devastated. Everything goes. That's what he's talking about here. Well, the frailty of humans is pretty obvious at the moment, isn't it? The pandemic, long predicted, it arrives. First of many, who knows? But all of a sudden, our ability to travel gone, to conduct business, severely curtailed for many, gone, our ability just to meet other people, gone. We are very frail. But the emphasis here in, in um, this section of Isaiah 40 is upon, it's the faithfulness. Do you see that verse six? It's the faithfulness of people in particular. You can't trust them. I mean, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? But even best endeavours. So we're going to have uh, you know, 100,000 tests being carried out daily, we were told a few weeks ago. Well, that's never going to happen in the UK. I'm sure he's tried, the health secretary. I'm not mocking him or, or criticising him, but humans can't deliver on what they promise all the time. You can trust God. That's the contrast, you see it. Grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. You can rely upon him. You can trust and build your life upon these words. Sin's paid for. He's going to come himself. His word endures. And the last, he'll gather the lost. Verses 9 to 11. Here, a wider group of people addressed again and given two instructions. So verse nine, you who bring good news or gospel to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem. Here's the first thing they're told to do. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here's your God. Lift up your voice. Take good news from Jerusalem to the rest of the country, because this wonderful news about what comfort God brings, it's not just for you. You're not just to hear God's good news and think, well, that's lovely. Take it. Lift up your voice. Take the news from Jerusalem to the rest of the country, from London to the rest of the country, from wherever you are, to the people around you. Lift up your voice is the first thing they're told to do. And the second, which you have to do alongside it, is look. 
see, behold. It comes three times. It doesn't get translated the first time in uh, this version, the NIV. But end of verse 9, say to the towns of Judah, see, look, here's your God. Verse 10, see, look, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, look, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Look at God. Behold him is what we're being told. We have to do. If we want to be comforted, we have to look at him. And two things in particular about we're told of him here uh, in these as we finish. He's the conquering king, verse 10, and the tender shepherd, verse 11. Two contrasting but pictures wonderfully. They come together. He's the conquering king, verse 10. So uh, the sovereign Lord, he comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. I mean, what is, the picture there is of God rolling up his sleeves and saying, OK, OK, I've had enough of this. Can't really do that. It's a short sleeve. But anyway, um, I've had enough of that. I've had enough of this. Let's get to let's get to work. And again, he's unstoppable. No one can resist him. And he brings a massive reward with him, too. Wonderful. He's the conquering king. Alongside that, he's a tender shepherd. Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. Look at what he does, these three little things. He gathers the lambs in his arms. The arm that was mighty and raised in triumph, verse 10, now tenderly gathers, verse 11. That's what God is doing now. Even in this season, He's gathering people who are not in his kingdom, bringing them in. He's gathering people who don't know about Jesus and bringing them in. He's gathering people who are bitter and frustrated and angry and saying, here is hope in Jesus Christ. He's gathering the lambs. And then two other things he does. He carries them close to his heart and he gently leads. And he's doing those things now. I hope you know that if you're a Christian. I need to know that now. That the living God is carrying me close to his heart. And even in adversity, mine is only relative compared to life before. But even in adversity, he's gently leading me. He's a tender shepherd. He has me in his arms. You have to hold these two together, though. This unbelievable, irresistible, conquering king. He's the tender shepherd. Behold your God. This is who he is. He says, I care deeply for you. And I uniquely can help you, save you. So what do you do with this? Behold him. Look at him. Observe, here is hope. Put your hope in this conquering king, this tender shepherd, this God who came in Jesus Christ and paid for sins. Trust him. Here is real hope. Hope that is certain, guaranteed. We have other little hopes. We hope there'll be a vaccine. We hope lockdown will end in a sustainable fashion. No doubt at some point. But here is real hope. 
And if you know Jesus as your conquering king, your tender shepherd, the one who's come, the one who brings you words of comfort, behold him. Oh, I lift up your voice and speak of him. But hear his words of comfort. Let me pray. Our Father, no doubt, emotions, uh, there's a wide range amongst uh, those gathered this evening watching this. And even within an average week uh, in this lockdown, our own emotions can ebb and flow, go up and down all over the place. Father, would we find our comfort in you? Thank you that you reveal yourself as the God of comfort. You're not distant. You're not uncaring. You know how we feel and you bring us what we need. Our sins paid for. You came in Jesus Christ to display, reveal your glory. You give us your word, which is absolutely trustworthy. You are a wonderful king, shepherd, gathering people to yourself. Would we find that comfort in you, we pray. Amen.